Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the Profit Podcast, everything NFL and fantasy football related all season long with your host, Calvin Wright. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Profit Podcast. It is October. No, it is November 6th. We're into November football. Listening to Christmas music. Need some need some jingle bells in that intro. Now, uh, I'm I'm still torn, not really sure. I'm not torn about Le'Veon Bell on the Jets. No, I'm torn about listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving. On one hand, I get it because Thanksgiving, especially this year, it's late. I think it's the 28th, which is very late. We're not going to be listening to Christmas music until December, which is just which is just awful. So many good songs out there. But also, I don't know. It just seems a little bit wrong listening to it this early. I, I'm i kind of torn. I think it's kind of a mix in between, you know, mix it in right now. But as soon as it's as soon as soon it's day after Thanksgiving, which I guess uh, November 29th this year, it's got to be Andy Williams on repeat for the next um, month, I guess. Now, listening to Christmas music before Halloween, you're just a bona fide creep if you do that. Okay. Now, this is a fantasy football podcast. Don't get me wrong. It said so in the intro. So... Without further ado, I am going to be getting into uh, fantasy football, which is pretty fitting. Uh, So Melvin Gordon is the first player we're going to be talking about. So like I predicted a few episodes ago, (laughs) Melvin Gordon, he's shaken that rust off. And he's now performing as a solid running back with upside, as we saw last week. Now, after those first three games, he was averaging two yards per carry after the first three games back from the holdout. Now, his yards per carry, it's gone up to 3.8, and now last game, 4, which is a huge improvement over the past two games. He's also reestablished himself as the goal line back in L.A. He's scored three touchdowns over the past two weeks, which is extremely efficient on the goal line, and he's seen a significant bump in snap percentages. After firing the offensive coordinator, Ken Weisenhunt, the Chargers, they've won two straight, and they're rushing the ball a lot. 38 total team rush attempts last week uh, for the Chargers. Now, with that change at offensive coordinator, my view of of Gordon, it changes slightly. You know, I still think he's a very solid RB2, but given this goal line efficiency and how much they're running the ball without Weisenhunt there, I think he has upside week to week as an RB1, a low-end RB1. I think the, the chances of a huge game are capped by Eckler. He's still very involved in the passing game, but, but I think Gordon, locked and loaded RB2, and I'm never going to be surprised in any given week if he finishes as an RB1. The goal line work is so heavy right now. Now, that could change, but that's where I am right now. I think I think he could be a huge difference maker going into the fantasy football playoffs. All right, so the next player we're going to be talking about is A.J. Green. The nightmare continues for A.J. Green. After waiting more than uh, half a season for Green to be healthy, well, also preseason, Andy Dalton is now benched. And the Bengals, they are far worse than we could have ever imagined. And 
there really doesn't seem to be any hope for this dismal Bengals team. The cards, they really are stacked against A.J. Green, which they have been kind of his whole career, but now more than ever. And I really don't see any way for things to be any better than than this. It really is just a fantasy football nightmare. The Bengals rookie quarterback, he's getting his first start against the Red Hot Ravens. They just took down the Patriots. Then he faces a surprisingly good Raiders team. And then the Steelers, who are topped in defense, Mika Pitt, Fitzpatrick making the making the uh, the Dolphins look stupid for trading him away. And that Steelers team, they've won a couple in a row. They're looking to make a playoff push. And these are these are division games against the Ravers, Ravens and Steelers. So these are important games. And then week 15, the Bengals, they get to play the Patriots, which... That also confirms, I guess, that the Pats DST owner is going to the Super Bowl. But this is just such an incredibly awful situation to throw your rookie quarterback into. It, it disgusts me, honestly. What are you doing, Bengals? Just just finish out this year with Dalton and then move on. Don't throw the man of the future into this situation on a team that's eliminated from the playoff. You You really have no hope. Even if you go undefeated from here on out, there's no chance you're making the playoffs. You literally have no offensive line, and you're facing some of the hottest teams in the league these next couple weeks. It's absolutely mind-boggling what they're doing. So I really, I don't see much hope for Green, really. Now, someone will have to catch the balls thrown, which honestly may not be that many, or high-quality balls thrown, but I don't think that Green is even a shoo-in for the main receiving role. I, much like Juju with Rudolph, we see a lot of times these backup quarterbacks come in, and their wide receiver one is not who we anticipate it being. It could very well be Auden Tate or Tyler Boyd, even though Green is one of the most talented receivers in the league. So I, I think Green, you know, he's going to be a little bit relevant, Just, but I would try to trade him based off of his name before the deadline if you can package him. But if you can't, man, it's just ugly. I guess hold on. You're, you're not going to drop him, but I guess hold on in case Finley somehow comes out as the next Patrick Mahomes. But I am sorry, AJ Green, Green owners. It's it really is an awful situation, and you drafted it knowing that it was an awful situation. But hopefully, at this point, it would be better. But somehow started off an awful situation, and that was pretty much the worst situation imaginable. The team, it it just a fantasy football nightmare, an NFL nightmare. Just is bad for AJ Green, and I am sorry if you drafted him. All right, the next player we're going to be talking about, Noah Fant. He exploded on the scene past uh, past week, actually. Now, the tight end position, it's pretty ugly. And I think you can do better than Fant streaming tight ends, but you can also do a lot worse. Uh, you know, at this tier of tight end, you're really just pulling the trigger almost almost randomly, you know, streaming matchups and just hoping that your tight end scores the touchdown this week. And if you want to go with Fant, that that's fine. Uh, tight end position, just do whatever you want almost. That's kind of the one position where you just, you can just do whatever, that and kicker. Now, but if you do decide to go with Fant, that's, yeah, that's fine. But don't expect a 75-yard touchdown each game. I don't want to take anything away from Noah Fant because I think he could be great in the future. He's talented. He's fast. He's big but go back and watch this big touchdown against almost any other team that catch that 75 yard touchdown that made him fancy relevant that game that would have been a 15 yard pickup the Browns tackling it was it was almost humorous uh watching that they uh it's like they were trying to give him a hug before he got to the end zone saying good job Noah <laughs> it was very strange they they didn't even try to bring him down they just kind of 
bounced off him lightly. It, it was very strange. But that really, I think people are overreacting in the fantasy football community against that uh, with that touchdown. Now, make sure if you don't want to roster him, keep an eye because he's shown that flash. So if he comes out and he's heavily involved, then yeah, I say he he's definitely someone you want to you want to roster at that point. But right now, I'm not too excited. I think it was more of a fluke at this point in his career. So next up, uh, Adam Thielen. Now, we all know Adam Thielen. He's a great wide receiver, but he's injured. Now, he came back last week, re-aggravated his hamstring, and now he's expected to be out this week. So I, I would not be banking on Adam Thielen at all at this point. Hamstring injuries, they are extremely easy to re-aggravate. And even if he does come back this season, I really don't think he's going to be 100%, especially the next couple of weeks, if they try to rush him back, which I could see them doing because they're one of the teams that they're not bad enough that they are just going to say, oh, it doesn't matter. We just take the time off. And they're not good enough that they can say, oh, we're fine without you. Just Yeah, you can take until the Super Bowl and we'll have you 100%. No, I think they could rush him back like they did with Delvin Cook two years in a row. Uh, so I would personally... I would honestly be trying to trade him at this point before the deadline because the flip side of this narrative is, oh, he's out. The buy's here. Some's going to be desperate. I can buy him dirt cheap because the owner who has him, he's desperate right now. And yes, yes, you can probably get him for a value, but that is because there's a huge chance he'll miss significant time. A value pick, it's not just, oh, for some reason, some unknown reason that is invalid, they're being undervalued. No, with Adam Thielen now, there's, there's big concern about this, and I would stay away. I'm not comfortable with someone dealing with this hamstring injury at this point in the season. If this were week three, I'd say go buy him low, just just like I did with Singletary when he went out with a hamstring injury. But at this point, if he gets re-injured during a game, it could easily cost you a trip to the playoffs or your playoff or or your Super Bowl. At this point, it's too risky. I think. So I'd be trying to shop him off if you uh, have him, and if you don't, stay away. So that those are my thoughts on uh, Adam Thielen, rest of the season. Uh, Ty Johnson now, he's the next player. I really need to organize these by position. I'm sorry, guys. So Ty Johnson, he's droppable at this point. He's uh, yet to top 30 yards. Yeah, that's, I mean, I could really end it there. But this backfield is crowded. The Lions, they're honestly content with letting Matthew Stafford carry the offense on his arm. And it's kind of working some, but I mean, it's great for Kenny Galladay and uh Marvin Jones owners, but I would much rather own any handcuff than Ty Johnson at this point. Ryquel Armstead, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, they're all more valuable for me than Ty Johnson at this point in the season. Ty Johnson shown us nothing, no reason to think he will show us anything. He's droppable. Okay, Devontae Adams. Mm, it's... I'm hurting as a Devontae Adams owner. <laughs> Finally came back, and then he uh, he did nothing, really, which very disappointing. But he gave us one last, maybe the best opportunity yet to buy low. Devontae Adams, he's one of the players I'm targeting most before the deadline. Uh, he was injured that long time. Uh, he blessed us, as I said, with one last opportunity, maybe the best opportunity yet 
to buy low. No way the Packers don't bounce back. They're having an incredible season, and they just had an off game, honestly. And like I said a few weeks ago, there is a need for him on that offense, and that was very clear to us last Sunday. He he led the team in targets, and they were obviously trying to get him the ball. I think Adams, he's a wide receiver one from here on out, top five, honestly, I would say. And if you can buy him as anything else, I would do so as soon as possible before the deadline this week or next week. He saw 11 targets and he was on the field for over 80% of the offensive snaps, which is great news for his health. He did come out and say he's, you know, hurt still a little bit, but he said there wasn't a setback. So good news for his health. He should be locked and loaded, start from here on out. And if you can still buy him low, which honestly now may be a better time, as I said earlier, because Devontae Adams owners, they were waiting, 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 waiting. Okay, he's back. Here we go. Oh, he did nothing. So now they're even more frustrated than they have been. So now is the time to buy low before this, uh, before this, uh, before the deadline this coming week or next week, whenever your deadline is. But he is one of the players I'm targeting most in the next, uh, yeah. So moving right along, uh, Gesicki, the tight end for the Miami Dolphins. So like Fant, uh, as I said there, the tight end position, it is, uh, it's really shot in the dark at this tier. But Gasaiki, he's very interesting. Since the bye week, he's averaging five targets a game, which for a waiver wire tight end, that's great. And Preston Williams, he just went down for the season. And Gasaiki, I think he's going to see more targets and more receptions. And I think he's very, very capable. Now, if I'm hurting at tight end, like so many of us are, and he's on the waivers, I'd take a shot on Gasaiki. I really would. It's, it's going to feel gross putting him in your lineup and starting him. But you can definitely do worse. I would honestly, I would go Gasaiki over Noah Fant. I just have more confidence in Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Which sounds crazy, but Fitzpatrick, he throws the ball. Especially with Mark Walton gone and Kenyon Drake gone. This, uh, this, this Dolphins offense is going to have to be throwing even more than they have already. Uh, I don't think Kalen Balaj is especially great on the ground. So Gasaiki really could be a, a sleeper, a midseason sleeper. Okay, next tight end actually, uh Hollister on the uh on the uh Seahawks. He's another uh really no name tight end. I'm not really interested in Hollister. Yes, he has Russell Wilson throwing him the ball, which it does help his case. It helps anyone's case. But he has to compete with Luke Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett and Josh Gordon now for receptions. And don't forget they have Rashad Penny and Chris Carson on the ground. So there could be games where uh, Hollister, he sees zero receptions, like so many games a season. Now, streamer tight ends, they're tricky. And like I said earlier, it's a position where you do whatever you want. It's kind of like kickers. You just pick a guy and hope for that tight end. But I would rather have Gasaiki or Noah Fant over Hollister. I think you can do a lot better than Hollister on the waivers. All right, Nick Foles. This one's this Nick Foles is one of my favorite players the rest of the season. Really is. Nick Foles, he has shown us many times throughout his his strange career that he is very capable of being extremely good. Even if it's just a hot streak for a half a season, a couple games, it doesn't matter because this right now is when Nick Foles comes alive. And while, you know, that can't be the only logic behind picking up Nick Foles, it does help knowing his past. He has a game with more touchdowns and interceptions. He's tied for the record for most touchdown passes in the game. He's won a Super Bowl, and he's earned a Super Bowl MVP. I have no doubt Foles is capable. And this Jaguars team, 
he he's put it into a great situation, and I think he'll he's, he's just going to do it again. What he's done his whole career, come in and light light the league up. His backup Minshew, he's been a borderline quarterback one all season long, and Foles he's significantly better than Minshew. Moreover, Nick Foles he's about to face some of the greatest matchups uh, rest of the season. He he really doesn't face a good secondary or pass rush this season now, besides the Tennessee Titans, which aren't aren't especially great. But he does get to face Tampa Bay, Oakland, and then week 16, the week of your Super Bowl, he faces, drumroll please, the Falcons. Yes. <laughs> the worst defense in the league. And that's including Miami and Cincinnati. If I have someone like Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or even Lamar Jackson, I am trading them away. Yes, they're great and they will be great, but their value at the quarterback position is so inflated above everyone else. If you can grab a running back one or wide receiver one or even RB2 or wide receiver two and then pick up Nick Foles off the waivers, you're going to win your league because Nick Foles, he, he could very well perform just as well rest of the season as the guys I just mentioned ahead. No, he's not as good, but he can do it. He has shown us time and time again that he can perform as a top quarterback in the league. I don't care if it's just for five games because that's all we need him for. All right. His teammate, uh, Leonard Fournette, he's one of the last players we're going to be talking about. Leonard Fournette is another player I'm targeting before the trade deadline. Fournette, he is third in carries, third in rushing yards, and this third year back, he's having the best year of his career so far. He's on pace for almost 1,500 rushing yards, and he's averaging almost five yards per carry, which is incredible for Leonard Fournette. He's never been really a yards per carry beast. So why isn't he a top back? Why is he only ranked 19th overall and ninth best running back? Touchdowns. Fournette... He only has one touchdown this season, which is absolutely crazy when you consider the type of runner he is. We can really expect only one thing, though. Positive touchdown regression. I expect his touchdowns to increase, and if they do, then he could genuinely be the top running back from here on out, apart apart from Christian McCaffrey, of course. But I would give a lot for Leonard Fournette at this point before the deadline. He doesn't have to face a single good defense the rest of the season, really. And owners, they may be desperate if they've hit the bye weeks, and now is your chance to steal Fournette. I, uh, I put out a bunch of trades in pretty much every league I am in. So anyway, Chris Godwin, just packaging a lot. Tevin Coleman is someone I would try to trade for Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, great one to target before this trade deadline this week. All right, Todd Gurley, last player before we get into Le'Veon Bell and the Jets. Oh. Okay, Todd Gurley is not that good this year, and that's just the fact. He's hit 60 yards this season twice. He has not seen many receptions at all except for one or two games, and his snap percentages have been very underwhelming. The only thing keeping him relevant is his touchdowns. Seven touchdowns this season, which is extremely good, but I would try to sell Gurley before this deadline because touchdowns... They're hard to predict, honestly. They are. Uh, You can say, oh, Fournette, he'll score more because I don't think Fournette's going to finish the season with one touchdown, and that's reasonable. But I don't think uh, Todd Gurley is going to finish the season with 15, 14 touchdowns. I just don't think that's going to happen. So I would try to sell Gurley before the deadline. His name is still very big, and his touchdowns have kept him from being a bust. But I think the touchdown efficiency is going to decrease a bit, and if you can package him for let's say Leonard Fournette per se, or even uh, someone like Le'Veon Bell, I would do so. Uh, So here we go. Le'Veon Bell and the Jets. Okay. The Jets are one of the most frustrating teams to watch. 
holy smokes. I went back, I, I uh, watched the uh, the Jets-Dolphins game for you. Not just the highlights, not just the box. I watched the whole game, guys. That's how much I love you. I watched that Jets game, and I have never been so frustrated in my life. So many blown opportunities, so many boneheaded penalties in critical situations, so many just absurd play calls. It was one of the most frustrating experiences of my life. I was there at the gym watching this Jets game. I just wanted to punch somebody. It was so, that somebody being Adam Gase and uh, Sam Darnold, it was just so horrible. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that game. So there was, (laughs) the Jets really, they shouldn't be this bad. Let's just say, let's just get that out of the way. We know they have some good receivers. They've got Jamison Crowder. They've got Robbie Anderson. That's not bad. Uh, they've got Sam Darnold, who should be a pretty good uh, uh, quarterback in his second year. And they've got Le'Veon Bell, who is one of the best running backs in the league. So there's no real excuse for them being this awful. But if you go back and watch it, first drive, I was impressed. I thought, uh, I don't see how this is going to be so bad. They looked really good. They they stretched the the field. They took shots. They used uh, they used um, Le'Veon Bell. But then everything went downhill. I don't know how many possessions started off with a penalty that put them at first and fifteen, and then a run up the gut with Le'Veon Bell. No misdirection. Nothing creative. Just a run up the gut. Then a short screen on, let's say, 3rd and third and 11. They do a screen pass to Jamison Crowder, and he's tackled after about two-yard gain. And then they punt. That was every possession. Then they had a huge kickoff return. I think it was 78 yards. They got it down. I think they were at the two-yard line. They throw a touchdown pass. Great. So good news for Herndon if, if he uh, comes back. No one knows where Herndon is at this point. Uh, but good news there. But it was overturned. He did not maintain possession into the ground. Okay. So you've got second and goal from the two-yard line with Le'Veon Bell on your team. What do you do? Go back, guys. Watch his play. I, I burst out laughing and crying at the same time. Sam Darnold, he rolls out right. And... Dolphins, they, they kind of wrap him up in the weird sack, and he kind of spins around and just chucks the ball up over his head. It looked like a, a Madden animation where you go, that doesn't happen in real life. He just kind of flings the ball without even looking anywhere. He just flings the ball up, and it wasn't a fumble. He actually threw it, and he just lofts it up to the defender, and it's intercepted. So that was really the turning point of the game for them. That in the, the five, three and outs where they did the same penalty, run up the gut, screen pass to Crowder. So the Jets, it's frustrating because I don't think they're going to get much better because these mistakes have been here all season. We saw these flashes against the Cowboys where we saw they could be really good, and I think they could be, but they need to fix things, and I don't think these things are going to be fixed this year. First off, they need a new coach. Adam Gase, I don't think he's the guy. They need a new... It just It's a mess. Sam Darnold, he has taken a step back, actually. I watched most of his throws from last year, and I've, after watching a bunch from this year, I can say he genuinely does not look as good as he did last year, which is very confusing. But this Jets team... Jamison Crowder, I think he's going to be a PPR machine because their <laughs> their game plan seems to be let's throw a screenplay every third play to Jamison Crowder. And Le'Veon Bell, as gross as it is, I would still be trying to trade for him, I guess, at this point. Although the buy low opportunity, I, I don't know. It depends on what your league mates are doing, but he's someone I'm still interested in owning and trading for. I think he's an RB2 just because 
of well they're gonna be down a lot and there's gonna be a lot of garbage time dump outs dump offs and that's when what's gonna keep bell relevant this season the the line it's not it's not it's nothing special and he's honestly being used incorrectly a lot of third downs where they need uh, two yards and they either throw a deep bomb or run it up the gut with Bilal Powell very frustrating uh game plan and now with this injury it's things get even uglier uh so that's where I am on the Jets I'm very frustrated with it and still not really sure what the latest update on Le'Veon Bell's health is if it looks like he's healthy uh they said okay here's the latest one Le'Veon Bell, Jets, he has no structural damage in knee, but won't practice on Wednesday. So not too exciting. Uh, At this point, I don't know what I'm doing if I don't have Le'Veon Bell. I may just steer clear at this point. Uh, I don't... It's frustrating. It really is. If you have Le'Veon Bell, I think I'm going to just keep him and play him when he's active as an RB2 and be disappointed for the rest of the season. But that's how it is for Le'Veon Bell and the Jets. Sam Darnold has broken my heart and Adam Gase even though I wasn't expecting anything has also broken my heart I officially am out on the Jets they were my underdog team of the year and they're just bad and they I think they are gonna stay bad all right so on that positive note uh thank you for listening to this podcast I hope you have a good week week 10 oh holy smokes yeah I think it's week 10 uh so thank you for listening to this five player podcast I will be back on Friday for the starts and sits uh, I'm gonna answer every question I'm asked on Instagram it's a great time and uh yeah have a great week uh, see you on Friday